get your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 1, and the book of Acts this morning. It is the day of Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, I want to read from Ephesians chapter 3, our theme that we've been, our working theme right now from Scripture. The apostle prayed over the church, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 um, through 21, we'll read, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ... which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Somebody say fullness of God. I don't want part. And, and you don't get, listen, I, I need to stop right there. I just heard the Holy Spirit say this. You don't get to decide, I'll have this part of God and I don't want this part. We're living in a generation, particularly in, in Western culture and the church and here in our nation, uh, but, but all over the world, it, it, there is an issue related to, I, I think we'll have this part of God, and we'll have this part of God, but I, 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 want, his, I want his blessing, I want his power, but I don't want his judgment, and I don't want his justice. I want his wisdom, but I don't want his correction. But how foolish is that? You can't have the wisdom of God without the correction of God. I want his, the fullness of his spirit, but I don't, I don't want to have to deal with the word. Well, that's just foolishness. So we don't get to say, I want part of God. I want the fullness. And the apostle prayed that we would have, be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he says, now to him, verse 20, who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. Now listen to this. This is why we have days like Pentecost Sunday. According to the power that works in us. You can only have as much of God as you will allow to work in you. So many people want God to do for them, but God's trying to do through them. It's the same thing with, with finances. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on this. I, I hear the Holy Spirit reminding me of this. If he can't work through you in that area, you are limiting what he can get to you unless he can get through you. We want God to get to us, and he wants to get through us. We want him to get his blessing to us, and he wants to get them through us. We want, him, we want him to get his power to us, and he's trying to get his power through us. We want him to get his word to us, and he says, wait, wait, wait. I'm not trying to get it to you. I'm trying to get it through you. You have to be a vessel through whom I can flow in order to have the fullness of God. Ephesians 1.19, uh, the, uh, the apostle prayed this way, I pray that you will begin to know what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power in us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead. How many want some 
dead raised in miracle work and power. Come on. But the problem with needing, with, with praying for miracle working power is that you have to be willing to be put in a position where a miracle is needed. So then whenever things go sideways, you're like, oh, God, what are you doing? Well, didn't you pray for miracle working power? Didn't you pray for the move of the Holy Spirit in your life at the level of miracles and signs and wonders? I put you in a position to need miracles and signs and wonders, and then you scratch your head and go, oh, God, what are you doing to me? It's not live there. Get out of fear. I'm not even in my notes yet. Dear Lord, help us. Jesus said uh, that he was quoted from Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You will receive power, spiritual ability, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And I think that the church has lost concept of the fact that the purpose of the power was to produce for the kingdom. Not to consume. We are, we are not consumers in the kingdom. We are producers in the kingdom. We are not going to be consumers in the kingdom. We are to produce for the kingdom. So I want to talk to you. We're still uh, talking about strengthening the inner man. We're just talking about it in the context of this, the day that this is. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost uh, simply means 50. The, the, the word Pentecost means 50. That's deeply spiritual, huh? But Pentecost is the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church in Acts chapter 2. Pentecost Sunday is 50 days after Easter or Passover. 50 days following. Pentecost Sunday is uh, believed to be 10 days after the ascension of Jesus. Remember those guys standing? Jesus, Jesus ascends to the Father, and they're just like, oh. And then those angels from heaven appear and say, what are you standing around here for? Didn't he give you an assignment? Didn't he tell you what you're supposed to do next? I wonder how long they would have stood there. That dumb look on their face. Oh, my God. Can you see him? Can you still see him? I think I can see him. And then the angel says, no, get up and go back to Jerusalem. He told you he's going to empower you. He told you that you have an assignment. You're going to go preach the gospel. Get back to where he sent you. There's something in God about always being in the right place and a position for him to move positioning ourselves for him to move. That's why we worship the way that we do. We are constantly uh, working and massaging within our heart to position ourselves for God to do something in and through us. And the Lord said to us prophetically, you recall, uh, I just keep, I keep having those things that the Lord said to us when uh, Mike Gray was here, that, that the Lord keeps reminding me to massage those things in our understanding. And the Lord says, a season has been that I, ha that I have worked in you, but now the season is upon you that I'm working through you. How many would receive that? I don't, I don't, you know, okay, thank you, Lord, for working in me. Continue to work in me, but it's about time you work through me. Do something magnificent for the sake of the kingdom through my life. 
I only have so many days in this earth. Let's make some of them count. You don't have the promise of tomorrow. You've only got today. What are you going to do today so that there's a release of the kingdom of God in your life? Today. Well, some of y'all will leave here and you'll go to the mall and there will be an opportunity at the mall for the kingdom of God to be expressed through you and you'll be sitting there saying, is it me or is it God? Well, would the devil tell you to bless somebody? I don't think so. I have yet to have the enemy come and tell me to bless anybody. He's only kills, steals, and destroys. That's his job description. So uh, Pentecost fulfills Jesus' promise to send the comforter and the teacher and the helper. Pentecost launched the large-scale spreading of the gospel that's found in the book of Acts. It was that day that the, the outpouring of the Spirit launched evangelism. You want your family to be saved? Get a good dose of the Holy Spirit in your life. So he can speak to you and, uh, about them and move through you in their behalf to encourage them and build them up and strengthen them. Because if you do what you think, you'll just enable. If you, if you do it your way, you'll just enable them to stay the way that they are. You will decide to keep them comfortable. And God's trying to get their attention. Hallelujah. Oh, that was from the Holy Spirit for somebody. Just say, I'll receive it. All right, listen. Listen. How are we to respond to Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. And the Greek, uh, in, in the original Greek, the context there is keep being continually filled with the Spirit. You want to strengthen the inner man? You must continually be filled with the Spirit. You must go back to the, what they used to say when I was growing up, get under the spout where the glory comes out. Go back to the place of the outpouring. Go back to where the Holy Spirit can be poured into you fresh. Go back into His presence and get another fountain full. Get another cup full. Go back. People, listen, I hear folks, oh, I'm so dry, Pastor. Well, get in the presence of the Lord. When I'm dry, I make myself a tea in a big Starbucks cup. I get the biggest cup I can get, and I make it taste as good as I can make it taste. And I throw it back as quickly as I can and go get some more so I'm not dry. When you're dry, go back to the fountain. Go back to the giver of life. If he said, continually be filled, then he never shut off the valve. He never turns off the supply for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in you. If you're dry, you have to go. Be filled with the Spirit. Keep being filled with the Spirit. Continually be filled with the Spirit. The reason that you and I need to be filled with the Spirit, one of the first things is it says, and we're talking about building up the inner man, that the Bible says that it edifies the individual. 
How many would edify just builds up, strengthens the individual? How many understand you need to be strengthened by the Spirit of God? You want to walk with God? You want to be successful in your walk with Him? You want to come close to Jesus? You must be strengthened by the Spirit of God to do so. You can't do it on your own. The Bible says for you not to lean to your own understanding. It tells me not to lean to my own understanding. If I lean to my own understanding, I will mess it up. Every time I've ever leaned to my own understanding, I've made a mess of everything. Spoken like a man who's experienced it. Yes, amen. But the Bible tells us not to lean to our own understanding. So we take the word and we renew our mind and we begin to respond to life with the understanding that comes from the Spirit of God through the word of God. If you don't let the word get in there, then you get all kinds of ideas being super spiritual without the word. I've seen it. You can, you will mess, you will mess, you'll make a mess of everything. Being all spiritual without the word, without the foundation of the word of God, it'll just mess you up. Then being all word without the spirit of God will dry you up. There are folks who, who just live in that environment of the word, and the word is wonderful, and the word will not return void, but then it's not mixed with faith, the scripture says, and it just kills them. It dries them up. But the word edifies the individual. The Bible says, building yourself up, Jude 1.20. Memorize this. Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm not, I, I'm, I have those folks come to me and they say, oh, pastor, everything's going wrong and I just feel so down. Well, how long has it been since you just sat before the Lord and prayed in the Spirit? Until there was a freedom that came and a confidence that came. In the old days, they called that praying through. Well, there's a, there, there, there's a truth there. Praying through, breaking through the hindrance. And uh, uh, I remember a story, one story that stands out to me in my mind of a couple who's uh, had children at home and a, and a daughter in the hospital. And the doctors had told them the daughter's going to die. And, and they, in all of their great wisdom, said, she, she's going to die. Well, then we better go get a hold of God. And instead of staying there by her bed, they went home and they got on their face before the Lord. And they began to cry out. And the, pa- the pastor that was telling the story said, I heard my parents crying out to God in behalf of my sister because they, the, the doctors had told them that she was going to die. And somewhere early in the wee hours of the morning, all of a sudden, the prayer got quiet and, and, and uh, they come uh, and he said, they, they got up the next morning and they said, uh, they said, she's going to be all right. We prayed through. And wait for the doctor's word. They told their kids, we're going to go get your sister, go back to the hospital. She's going to be all right. We've heard from God. You can still live at that level where you can hear from God about the circumstances in your life if you're willing to go there. I believe God's calling our generation to live there again in a fresh way, to live in the place where God can speak to us about our life, where he can speak into our understanding about what's going on around us, and he can release us with wisdom and understanding, but we've got to be willing to hear his voice and go there in our relationship with him. 
So one of the first things I've just, I've just learned, I'm the crazy guy, I know. I'm that guy down at the Walmart who's praying in the Spirit. And everybody's like, who is that? And the kids are like, shh, Dad, gee. I'm not, I'm not trying to be obnoxious. Just not trying to be foolish, peculiar. We are a little peculiar. But the reality of it is I realize, I've learned in my own life that on those days that you wake up and that just the enemy's trying to bring that cloud over you and, and that sense of dread that when there's no, nothing has changed, but yet you just feel that overwhelming sense of, oh my God, what's going on? That's a, that's a call to the presence of the Lord. Stop pulling your, head, your covers up over your head and going, oh, it's morning. That's a call to the presence of the Lord. It's a call calling you into his presence. Pray in the spirit until you get breakthrough. Don't, don't stop short of breakthrough. Don't stop short of praying and speaking to the Lord to the point that you get the confidence and you hear from him and you can walk out of that circumstance going, I don't know what's changed, but everything's going to be all right. I'm telling you, it was a great discipline in my life and it was a great, it was a, it was a um, mark in, in spiritual growth and in, in, in uh, spiritual development when, I, when, when the Lord taught me you, you just simply are not allowed to murmur. You're just simply not allowed to complain against me. Well, you start biting your tongue. But you can develop your walk with God to the point that when you would ordinarily say, oh my God, what are you doing? That you would begin to pray and you would begin to come into his presence until you have breakthrough, until you have confidence, until you know that everything's all right. Even though you can't put your finger on what's changed, you can't say this changed or that changed, but something changed and you know that you know it's all going to be all right. God's got this. And you've, you've got to get there in him before the circumstances change. You've got to get your heart there. You see, the Bible says that the children of Israel frustrated God in the desert with their murmuring. They murmured against him. When they murmured against Moses, you just brought us out here to die. And Moses had obeyed God to bringing them out. They weren't murmuring against Moses. They weren't complaining against their leader. They were complaining against God. What's he trying to do with us now? There's no water out here. There's no food out here. I'm so sick of looking at sand. They were complaining against God. God wants to take you in your spiritual walk with him, in your, in your growth with him, to the place that the first, your first response to trouble is not murmuring. Is this too deep? God wants to take you in, in your relationship with him where your first response to trouble is no longer complaining about it. Oh, man, I'm preaching this stuff, and then I have to, every time I preach stuff, I have to turn around and live it. But I hear the Holy Spirit 
and he is challenging you and bringing you up to a new level in your relationship with him. He wants to bring you to the place that you are living in confidence toward him, not in fear and in dread. I'm telling you, uh, he wants to break fear off the minds of the people of God. It's time for fear. I break fear off the mind of the people of God. It's time for fear and anxiety to be broken off of you. But you will do it through the word of God. You will do it through living in his promises. Break that off of your thinking in Jesus' name. But I can break that off of your thinking. I can say I'm breaking that off of your thinking in the name of the Lord Jesus. And there's power in those words. But if you're not willing to put the word to it, and divide that from, that, that from your soul and your spirit to, to let the word divide that out of your thinking. The Lord's trying to cut that out of you. It's like a cancer of unbelief that causes you to be fearful whenever things, go, things hit the news that cause you to wonder if you should go to the mall. Go to the mall in Jesus' name. Get up and go somewhere. Do something. It, it, run toward that thing that the enemy is trying to cause you to fear. Break that off your life in the name of Jesus. Y'all go down there and you'll say, Pastor said, go to the mall. <laughs> so happy. Break that off. When you're going to let the enemy so restrict your life What he wants to do is restrict your life so the kingdom of God cannot flow through you. He wants to isolate you and keep you from people that are in need, from people that need the word of the Lord, from people that need the spirit of God, from people that need the love of God. He wants to keep you restricted so you can't get to them because the only way that the Lord can get what he needs to get to them is to get to them through you. Jesus said, all power and authority has been given unto me, therefore go. He wants you to go. He wants you to stay and be isolated. The enemy, it, it, listen, the, it's the enemy that isolates. So that when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it, he, he was poured out to edify, to build up the individual. The Holy Spirit uh, the Bible says building yourself up. We already read that in Jude on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit speaks of Jesus. The Holy Spirit always builds Jesus up. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself. He speaks of Jesus. You are to be built up knowing Jesus. He teaches, Jesus said, he will teach you and remind you of the things that I have said. Then in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit prays with us and for us. Can you imagine? Get getting the concept through your mind that when you are praying, the Holy Spirit is praying for you and with you. Man, that'll revolutionize your prayer life. When you will get to the place that you understand that the Holy Spirit is praying with you and for you. Romans chapter 8. And verse 26. And then the Bible says the Holy Spirit comforts us. Acts 9, 31 says, says that they were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort and encouragement of the Holy Spirit. The church continued to grow. They were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort and encouragement of the Holy Spirit. 
Some of y'all need the Holy Spirit to encourage you. That's why the enemy wants to tell you that the Holy Spirit is not speaking today. Because he wants you to not be hearing the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Oh, he still speaks. Oh, the things he says. And then the Holy Spirit is given for our help. Helps the individual believer to hear from God. In John chapter 10 and verse 3, Jesus said, My sheep will know my voice. They will not hear the voice of a stranger. They'll know the voice of the Lord. Listen, even, even in a season and in a time when you are learning the word of God and you're not quite sure, but, but you hear something, the Holy Spirit is faithful to tell you that that's not right. And all of a sudden, you may not be able to explain that that's the voice of the stranger or why you know that's not from God, but there's something in you that you just know that you know. That's off the wall. You need to trust that. The Holy Spirit will teach you. The reason the Bible says that you don't, you, you don't have need of a teacher, the Holy Spirit will teach you, is not that you don't need a teacher in your life. It's that you're not always in a place where a teacher's there to teach you. But the Holy Spirit is always there. So it's not that you need to pick up the phone and call someone and say, I, I, I think something's out of order here. And you may do that. But the reality of it is the Holy Spirit is telling you, walk softly there, watch, wait, let me teach you. And then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit helps the believer to have an answer. In Luke 12 and 12, he says he will teach you in the, in the very hour uh, of need what to say. I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into this situation and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is in you. So when you are challenged regarding your faith, when you stand before people who are saying, I don't know about this God thing, you don't have to have a prescribed answer. It's good to know the word, but you don't have to have it all worked out. The Holy Spirit is there to help you have an answer in those seasons, in those situations. That's his assignment, to help you. If he doesn't give you something to say, then maybe you're not supposed to say anything. Ever think of that? It's really hard for some of us not to say anything. I have a lot of words. Not, not, it's not easy to not say anything. And then the Holy Spirit strengthens the believer by grace to exemplify the character of God. Listen. Walking with Jesus should bring us to the place that, we, that the character of God has produced in our life. The longer you walk with him, the more you should look like him. The longer you walk with him, the more you should act like him. You ever see those people, they get those little dogs, and by the time that dog's been with them 15 years, the dog kind of looks like the person? The longer you walk with Jesus, the more you should look like him. The longer you walk with Jesus, the more you should act like him, the more you should sound like him, the more your words should be his words, the more what you say and do ought to reflect who he is, the character of God. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 and 22. And then the job of the Holy Spirit is to edify and equip the church. The Holy Spirit edifies and equips the church with spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're not going to go into that, but words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. That is the assignment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to equip you. 
Y'all are quiet. This is the place where in our culture, the church in our day is saying, I want this part of God, but I don't, I don't want that part of God. If he puts that in me, it's going to require something of me. What if God pours into you by the Spirit of God gifts that are actually vocal gifts? Do you get to say, are you going to say to the potter, I'll take that, but I don't want that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. The Lord and I, I reminds me of Moses a little bit. You know when God called Moses and Moses was like, well, you got to send somebody to speak for me and you got to do this. And I, I don't want to go. And I was kind of like that when I realized that God was calling me to a visible place of ministry. I said, no, 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 no. I, I would really rather function somewhere quietly, privately, behind the veil. Just, I wanted to be that guy. Just put me in the background somewhere. I remember as a young man thinking that, well, not so anymore. I don't feel that way. Don't be the guy who tells the Lord, I want this, but I don't want that. Let's be the people who say to God, however you want to get it to me, however it looks, however it's expressed, however it's supposed to be, pour it in me. I want all of you. I want all of you. And then he tells us, to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Listen, when I say that, for every person in the room, when I say that, that phrase, walk in the Spirit, you frame that in your thinking, and it's framed differently for every person that is in the room. For every one of you, there's some of you who will say, well, what does that mean, walk in the Spirit? For others of you, you, you will say, well, that, that, for me, when you say walk in the Spirit, it means this, that, or the other thing. And, and for some folks, I've seen folks who thought they were walking in the Spirit, and they were walking around, and it seemed like their feet never touched the ground. They were so super spiritual. They just, you, you've heard the phrase, someone being so spiritual, they were of no earthly good. You just couldn't get anything practical out of them. But walking in the Spirit produces practical expression of the kingdom of God that changes lives and helps people. If what you think God is calling you to do doesn't produce anything that helps people or changes lives, it's probably not from the Lord. You probably thought it up all on your own. Because everything that God deposits in us has a practical application that brings change for the better in the lives of the people around us. If the kingdom of God flows through you, somebody's life is going to be changed for the better. If you let the kingdom of God flow through you. So walk in the Spirit. And then receive the mind of the Spirit. This is where we keep talking about thinking like God. Having God's perspective on life. 
having God's perspective on the things around you. If you go, if you go to work tomorrow and at work they tell you that everything's changing and they don't know uh, three months from now if the job that you have is going to be there, are you going to fall apart or are you going to go before the Lord and say, Lord, can I get your perspective on this moment? If you fall apart, do it for a minute and then go get God's perspective. We all have our moment. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you not be human. Bad news is bad news. There's nothing wrong with being human in response to bad news. What's wrong is never getting to the presence of the Lord and dealing with it there. Going before him and saying, okay, Lord, give me your perspective on this moment. Receive the mind of Christ. Romans chapter 8. I, I wish you would just take the time in your personal time to go through Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 and read it and just read it and massage it and, and read it again and, and uh, take some notes and read it again and let the Holy Spirit deal with you about the things that the apostle wrote in those particular passages of Scripture. But he said there, those who live by the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Do you know what that means? When you set your mind, how many understand that to set your mind on something, you have to say, I'm not going to think like this anymore. I'm going to think like this. I'm not going to think with fear and anxiety anymore. I'm going to think with confidence and trust in the Lord. I'm not going to think with dread anymore. I'm going to think like God thinks. I'm not going to have my own opinion about that rascally little person at work that, I, that drives me crazy. I'm going to start seeing them through the eyes of God. Oh, well, now we're getting down to where we live. What about that person that God has put in your life for some reason and they just rub you the wrong way? And they are so irritating, and you just get up every morning dreading the fact that you have to go spend eight hours of your day in the same room with them. Or eight minutes, for that matter. But the Lord has put you there, and you are the only light right now that they are seeing. And you need to get God's perspective on them so that you don't move with hate, but you move with love, so that you don't move with frustration, but that you move with patience, so that you move with long-suffering and grace by the Spirit of God, so that the words that come out of your mouth are, are salt and light, strength and encouragement and blessing. The only way to do that is to receive the mind of the Spirit. The only way to do that Listen, I didn't, I didn't know the depth of love that you could have for people. I've grown, listen, I've grown up in the church, my whole, spent my whole life in the church around uh, believing people and did not know until I came to places of maturity in God how deeply you can love somebody that you, you probably wouldn't even choose to be their friend in the natural and how God will show you who someone is from his perspective and what he deposited in them and how precious they are in his sight. And suddenly you begin to see people. And when, I, when, when you look at them, you see the image of God. 
There was this little old lady on my street when we were growing up, and she was that little old lady that if the ball went in her yard, you were not getting it back. And I think back on those days and how frustrating she was and how, um, how I imagine that in her basement, those houses didn't have basements, but I bet she had one, that there were bags full of balls and Frisbees and dog toys and every imaginable thing that could have landed in her yard. So unhappy. Do you know what I realize looking back? That was the loneliest person. And if I'd had any maturity at all, I probably would have somehow become a friend to that little lady. I mean, I was just a kid, so it wasn't. But no one on that street took the time to be her friend. Isn't that heartbreaking? There were believers on that street, not just the ones in our house. But now when you look at someone and you see them through the eyes of the Spirit, you take the mind of the Spirit and you begin to walk in the Spirit so that you can impact and change the lives of people around you. It's Pentecost Sunday. The move of the Spirit of God through your life ought to produce practical results. The move of the Spirit of God through your life ought to produce practical blessing in the lives of others. The move of the Spirit of God through your life ought to produce like a neon sign over your head that's saying, walk this way, follow me as I follow Christ. This way, this way. I remember my father when, when uh, he walked with God all of his life and I had this picture of him in my mind holding up the word of God. And it was like his life, holding up the word of God, saying, this way, children, come on, this way. This is the way. This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Walk in it. And God is calling us to be that kind of people in our generation that everywhere you go, there's like a flashing sign over your head that says, come and walk with me. Come and follow me as I follow Christ. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. God has filled you with the Spirit. He's placed a deposit in you so that you could be edified, so that the church could be edified, and so that the world around you could be changed.